0: You busy Mm-mm. okay let me run something past you real quick I don't know if I shared with you yet but very much have a child going to college did I did I tell you I got a baby going to college Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he asked me he was like are you gonna cry <laughs> no Thugged out face tats very much who knows maybe I I set my heart to know because this is a good thing seeing the eaglet get out the nest and all of that so I may or may not have been preparing myself not to be sensitive but listen that's between me and the Lord mind your business but I noticed something as we are all venturing this new path I it is hilarious to me how the family's coming together like they like we need to be in a group chat we need to know who's getting what because people are already planning to get the small refrigerator somebody else is like listen i got the tv i'm getting the bedding we we got to go ahead and do the checklist like when i say games are not being played the games are just not being played like at all and it is hilarious to me that out of all the other grades that he's been in Uh, You know, back to school shopping, but it has never been this collective sense of intensity, excitement, E or the above. And I guess it's just because we all are embarking this path of newness. We are getting ready to have a college student like that's pretty dope. Right. And so what's happening with that is it, it kind of got my attention. Because we're talking about the TV, and we're talking about the bedding, and we're talking about all the other things. And the most shocking part to me is that some of the people who are planning these things, they didn't actually go to college, let alone go on campus. So it's almost like because of this accomplishment, people are able to live vicariously through my son's accomplishment. And that did something for me. I was like, I love how we're all coming together. I love how we're all collectively just sharing this level of excitement. I love how it's just, wow, we are all making room for this newness. And it's just the same like if someone moves, right? Like if you was in that, smaller location whether it was sharing a uh, apartment you had a room with a roommate whether it was you had the one bedroom or the studio whether it was whatever and then you got to go ahead and move and kind of you know air quotes upgrade now you got the two bedroom with the extra whatever now your kitchen is a little bit more you know wherever it is that you got the more square footage in. it was obvious now like oh you got cabinet cabinet space now like now we can get more cups now we can Go ahead and get a real pot set. Now we can go ahead and matter of fact, you got room for you to get a little washer and dryer situation. Like we are so excellent at seeing, oh, let's go ahead and, and find a reason to get some new stuff, right? Because we start to see. I was here at one point where I didn't need this newness, but I realized that we are all to a certain level masters at preparing for newness, especially when it's external. Like, don't let it be that you was once a girlfriend. Now you are fiat! listen watch out homegirls pull up with the customized t-shirts fiance with the play on the word be or the name beyonce let it be that they throw you a little bridal shower a little congratulatory situation let it not be that you planning a destination wedding let it not be that you got a order situation let it not be that you got you a car i'm talking about ma'am pick me up for lunch because who not driving with you with the windows down like very much will be one of us like we love a good listen i'm i'll get your first air freshener We'll throw a housewarming situation. We would, you pregnant, we throw in a whole baby shower early. You're going to have nine baby showers because one of us got to go ahead and do it in a way that it is particular. Okay. We know what you like. We know how we want the vibe to be like, listen, because we're going to make this Instagrammable. You understand? Like we love a great opportunity to make room to celebrate the newness that is external. But I'm starting to notice that we don't do that internally for ourselves. Oh, we'll go on a tangent externally for other people. Oh, how we will show such and such how proud we are, how much we, you know, whatever, support them, E or the above. But when it comes to you, do you make room for you? I had one of the most groundbreaking statements said, while I was having a conversation with my husband. And I said, I have to give that more thought. You know how you say something and then it's kind of like you feel the DJ scratch like, oh, hold on, because that was good. (laughs) You may want to go ahead and hover over that once more. I said to him, the growth that is happening within me is essentially happening because you created this greenhouse customized just for me that allowed me to grow and flourish and you just let me be and because you let me be I have become who I currently am and who I will be in the future and I was like oh that is amazing and then I followed that up with and I have to learn to make room for me and I was like hmm Because sometimes I can feel a little tech message from my soul saying, hey, you're stifling me. Yeah, you're kind of stunning my growth. And I don't think that you're doing that intentionally. But when you do things where you excuse other people and how they carry out themselves in your life, when you excuse all these external things, and I'm trying to give you these internal cues that uh, that doesn't sit well with us and you excuse it or you give it another day or another month or another whatever, um, what you actually are doing is you have this beautiful greenhouse, but you've only decided to use this much square footage because you have not allowed room for yourself to grow and to just be. So when you push through something that is not particularly aligned to how God wired you, then you are not in alignment to what God has for you is what I strongly believe. So for instance, my first year of college, and I told you this before, but it's worth repeating. I immediately as a freshman went ahead and signed up for every night class that I could because I knew for all the years that I started school, including daycare, That I was not an early riser, nor did I want to rise early, nor did I want to rise up. I was never an Atlanta Falcon. No shade. So the moment that I got to make my own schedule was my freshman year of college. And I immediately said, what are your night options? They were like, oh, we have 555 to 830. Sign me up. And I went back home and was so excited and E or the above. And the first thing my mother said to me was, nobody goes to school at night. That was dumb. And I was like, well, <laughs> if I'm going to have to work while I'm also going to school, I don't want. And I had peers that were like, oh, I'll go to school in the daytime and i work at night. Not my jish. Not my judge. I learned if I have to learn something new, you're going to have to give it to me when I can eat lunch and after. Uh, I just know that about myself. I'm the person that wanted to do homework at night. I had all these great ideas at night, so I knew enough about myself at that point in my life that night was uh, the time frame that kind of did it for me in the learning realm. So the compromise or the uh, uh, <laughs> the law that was given out to me was, yeah, so your first year, I'll let you go ahead and do night school. But if your grades look anything like it should not be, uh, you're going to back to signing up for daytime classes immediately for the next semester. When I tell you I hit that track, like Usain Bolt, you have no idea. I was on the Dean's list. I got a 3.5. Listen, I will hand clap a page for myself, but I got a 3.5 five was not playing because I had to make room for myself I knew if we paying for classes I'm gonna to need to go where I am most utilized yeah y'all had me going to school for years in the daytime and I struggled okay struggled beyond belief because I was forced to do something outside of my internal wiring I was always late You cannot give me math first thing in the morning. Excuse me, I didn't even eat because I don't have an appetite in the morning. Like all of these things, you know, kind of factored in. And it's like, how much more algebra do I need to fail before somebody realizes, hey, maybe not give that to her before noon. (laughs) like is there someone I can speak to you understand it's just like yeah no so then what does that translate over to I am not an early riser that has never changed about me right God didn't say "Mm, you know what this was your blood type at that time let me go ahead and give you a new blood type your blood type is your blood type and you're going to have to learn how to live life according to that where you can play to your strengths and be successful so when I went ahead and started having jobs, I noticed that the jobs that I was really great at were jobs that were not traditionally nine to five. The jobs that I stayed at the longest either had a non traditional schedule, either was at nighttime or I had fluctuating days, blah blah blah. But it wasn't this structured Monday through Friday, and this is a time frame, and you got to take off if you have anything you planned. It just Did not work for me. And so guess what I kept flirting with? External factors that did not work. So guess what kept happening to me? I'm getting up late, (laughs) not making it. It don't even have to be traffic. It could be, you know, traffic getting to my bathroom because I'm tired. Uh, It was all the things. And so it started getting to the point that it's like, I realized when I made room for myself, Then I started becoming and yielding in the success that was ultimately customized for me. I have certain desires. You have certain desires. You have certain wirings. I have certain wirings. There are things that are specified just for you that if you truly made room for you, you would see your heart's desires. One of the things that I've been singing since I have been young is that I'm attracted to a tall man. When I had people in my life say, you know, don't be so limited. Maybe a short guy would kind of blah, blah, blah. And so I tried to step out my dating pool. I went out the, you know, five feet. I felt like I had to go start dating in the kiddie pool. Every time I did, I was like, this is just not, it's not giving. It's giving very much Mm, Kitty pull meets uh, crisscross applesauce meets C spot run. Like, I feel like I have to come down so many notches, not only physically, but every mentally, emotionally, because I'm trying to make myself have a palate for something that I was never created to have. And guess what? What is my husband? Tall. But people try to talk me out of ultimately my blessing prior to even meeting him. Because what you know, maybe if you just wear flats, I don't want to wear flats. If I have to wear flats to be out out of somebody then they're my kids. <laughs> like that's just how I felt, right? And I think that's the problem. People try to make you feel like your particular crave, cravings, ideas, whatever it is, your heart's desires, that it should be altered. No. Because I truly believe that God gave you a certain set of tools and things that it's like, bruh, if you stay true to this, you will navigate this blood, this green, muddy, blue earth, and you will find exactly what I have for you. If you stick to what you are true to, if you stick to what is truly in your heart, I promise you, you will get everything that is in your heart. But when you start going outside of that, then you start yielding other people's blessings that it don't feel like a blessing to you. There are some people that are like, I do not want to be a homeowner. And then people are like, yeah, but, and they're trying to talk you out of the fact that you really are content and okay with being like, listen, I don't want, I like to travel. I like to do whatever the reasoning is behind wanting not to be a homeowner. And this has satisfied and made you content. The Bible says in in first uh, Timothy, I believe it's six, six, it says that, uh, godliness with contentment is great wealth. So if you are doing something with a godliness in you meaning that you don't have malicious intent, there's nothing about you that is doing something out of anything that is fleshy, you're not trying to, you know, show off for of the gram or whatever it is, that you just know like listen, that's not godlike behavior, bro. You at this point you should know between you and the Lord what, what godliness is. And with contentment does it satisfy you? Not if it makes sense to everybody else. Not, not if, oh, such and such co-signed with you. Are you content with that? If you're content with parking or taking the metro, whatever, and then turning the key to your apartment and you go to sleep just as sound as can be, then guess what? That's your heart's desires. That is your portion. But when somebody else tries to spoon feed force you, do you know how agonizing it's going to be to walk into a driveway, to turn the key to somewhere that you never find peace in? who wants to sleep in that corridor? Nobody. And I find that when we start conflicting with ourselves, we have mastered the tumultuous art of stifling ourselves. You start looking at relationships and you're like, well, I, you know, in regards to friendship." When you start deciding and being more mature on where do you actually put someone in your life? The first sign of maturity, especially in the area of friendships, is identifying and discerning where someone fits. You don't just put everyone in one category because you vibe, because y'all have common interests, because y'all have the same humor, because y'all are on the same quest in certain areas of your life. That is not a sole reason to clump everybody in the same category of quote unquote friend. And after reading this book on relation relational intelligence by Darius Daniels or Dr. Darius Daniel, I noticed that out of the four categories I have been really not aligning a- accordingly, but guess what, nevermore. He said the four areas is friendship, assignment, associate, and advisor. And he breaks that down so effortlessly that I was like, oh my gosh, I was surely clumping people in an associate. I'm not real quick to call nobody my friend. I've always been that way. Mm, I don't really know you. Yeah. It, It takes a certain time test and tenacity to get there with me. And it just is because, um, I'm the type that once you got a friend in me, you got a friend in me forever. And so if that's a mutual thing, I expect a certain level of consistency, a certain level of character, and a certain level of support to my calling. That's just how I see friendship. I take friendship very seriously. I take it as a responsibility. I take it second to having a covenant with my husband. Because the Bible talks about friendship. The Bible don't talk about associates. It gives examples of it, but it don't talk about associates. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, listen, I no longer call you servant. Um, You are now my friend. So if the Bible starts to talk about friend, there's only two relationships I heard outside of family that I heard the Bible talk about. And it was covenant between husband and wife and um, friend. And so when the Bible talks about a a title, a relationship of sorts, I take those very seriously. Yeah, um, that's just the way I wrote. But I noticed that I had a lot of people in the associate category, and I was like, mm. <laughs> "I think I think Shorty was an assignment." And now that I'm looking back on blah blah blah, I think that Buddy was a a, a, a advisor for me. Because you notice you going to certain people like, "Hey, quick question. Hey, let me pick your brain on that. Hey, yeah, those are advisors. That's not your associate just because y'all have common interests and y'all laughing and y'all like the same food. Like, don't get it twisted." But I noticed that one of the Sure factors of hmm maturity in, has entered the chat is one. You start discerning better where certain people should go, because what I have learned, especially after reading this book, you are going to have one thing that you always have to do for the rest of your life. And it is, you are going to have to interact with people where God is taking you. You are going to feed people and serve people. And so that means that where you go, you are going to have to deal and manage people. You're going to have to manage yourself and you're going to have to manage other people. You don't got to be a supervisor to manage people, but you have to manage where people go in your life. And one of the things that I realized about that is I don't think that we have a true, like if you didn't read this book, if you were like, "Mm, never heard of relational intelligence, how would you know? where someone goes in your life. And if something came to my heart, I said, the Bible talks about false prophets, right? And it said that you will know a tree buys fruit and that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And that's how you'll be able to tell if someone is true and true by their actions. But I said, I wanted to add a 2.0 to that. I want you to start identifying how someone makes you feel. When they enter your life, like what is the fruit that is produced in you when such and such comes around? Are you angry when such and such text will call you or you have a, a memory of such and such? Do you get frustrated easily when such and such is talking to you? Is something about their presence, something about the way they say stuff, something you're just like, uh, I don't know. Have you identified that there's a unique little, eh, you know, little gnat fruit fly, if you will, when it comes to that particular situation? My question to you is, if you're saying yes to any of that, what have you done with that information? Do you notice that there is you handle or you, act different around such and such like automatically you either feel inferior such and such kind of makes you feel a little bit mm, like undeserving or maybe it's the other side where you like instantly when this person come around I feel like I'm the teacher immediately and I don't got no time to be speaking to my students all the time like do you feel that like I need you to pay attention to the fruit that is being produced when certain people are added to your garden of life. Because sometimes we're misplacing people because they're good fruit, but they produce bad outcomes within you. So that takes me back to my question. Are you making room for you? Have you identified that you don't have to make an excuse all the time when it comes to why you're getting ready to adjust how you relate to certain people? Have you made room for you where you can actually say, this may be a good job, but this job may not be good for me. I don't like this particular part of the job description. I don't like the commute. I had a friend that I'm literally, I've spoken to her about what we would and would not do for certain jobs. And she said that she would commute up to two hours one way if the salary was worth it. That is a good job to her. For me, that will be torture.com backslash me. I could not do it. I am not driving four hours a day just to get to the job. Because you know what I hear? I got to get up earlier. I got to entertain myself on a road trip for two hours one way just to make sure that I'm not tired and bored when I get there. You got to do all of that before you even get to the job. Yeah, And you can be fancy and say, okay, well, maybe if I don't feel like driving back, I could just get a hotel this one time. Now you're talking about extra money for the extra money that you're driving out to go get? See, that is the difference between understanding yourself and understanding the people around you and what they would do. There are just certain things I'm not willing to do anymore that I'm actually okay with not making an excuse for any longer. And so I'm, this particular space in my life requires for me to make room for myself unapologetically, to unapologetically and in some circumstances without explanation I don't want to have to explain to someone why I'm doing something. Just know that I'm doing it for me. And if it doesn't involve you or doesn't require me requesting something of you, then it really doesn't have anything to do with you. And that doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make anyone who decides to do that in their own lives a bad person. It just means that you're doing what is best for you. And if I care anything about anyone, If what's best for you doesn't require for me to do anything for you, then like praise God for what he's doing in you. And that's how we should look at stuff. And I guess I just felt like, being a good person was, you know, letting people know, keeping everybody in the midst and kind of, you know, hey, just want, I don't want you to take my, my absence. No, like at this point, point, uh, and I keep, I was saying it on my social media for some point and then I just stopped because I didn't really want to keep having to give a disclaimer from my presence or lack thereof. But I said, um, my absence is not personal, it's purposeful. And if... If you got to be in my face all the time, if you have to know what's going on with me all the time, if there just has to be a level of connection for you to feel connected to me, I get if you don't want to any longer call me friend, associate, whatever the case may be. But there's just certain losses externally that I'm willing to go ahead and partake in or accept just to make sure that I'm true and making room for me. And when I read this part of Matthew 9, it just brought it entirely back home. You know, I read in the NLT version, right? Jesus was essentially talking about fasting in this chapter, but it still did something different and reigned true to me even still. So Matthew 9, I want to read at verse 16. He said, besides who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. 17. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. I'm going to read that last one again Matthew 9 17 and no one puts new wine into old wine skins for the old skins would burst from the pressure spilling the wine and ruining the skins new wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved when you make room for you when you see that things are happening new within you, when you see that God's giving you a new palette, when you see that, yo, you know what? I used to be able to do that, but now I can't do that. My question to you is, what are you doing to make sure that you're preserving what God is doing? Because it's not a matter of just preserving what's happening new within you, right? That will be the new wine. But this last sentence says, New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. That means that whatever you're doing and accepting that is happening new within you, the choices that you're making, the okay, the acceptance of it, that means that you have to match that to the decisions that you're making externally. Once you recognize that something new is happening within you, And that's internal. You need to accompany that with making decisions that match that externally. Because it is your due diligence and job to make sure that you are preserving both. New wine is stored in new wine skin so that both are preserved. You thinking, oh, okay, I can be new and still talk to my old friends and old circle group. Um, New wine is stored in new wine skin. New is stored in new. Newness is also in the circle of uh, newness. So new things in you can't be in old relationships sometimes newness in you can't always stay at the same job sometimes what is the key element or litmus test to saying, okay, so when I develop something new and God is trying to do something new within me and God is taking me on a new quest and a new path, how do I know when it's time to change that external environment and make it a different decision? Because of the next statement says, so that both are preserved. When you are seeing that something new is occurring in you, when you go back into an old situation, the question, the litmus test is, is this external environment preserving the newness that is now in? me you can't be the one that's like yo I'm not drinking anymore but I can still hang with my homegirls and my homeboys and I can go to the club with them where there's drinking where they're going to be like yo just take one shot like and like and you know just no I, I can go with them and then still be in that old environment and then still but keep my newness and no 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 that old environment is not preserving the newness in you God is telling you to go ahead and carry yourself differently and treat your body like the temple and not go ahead and do certain things, not go ahead and talk to old boy no more. Don't let old girl come over like that kind of situation. And you like, no, I can keep myself on a level of purity and then still invite old boy over for the Netflix, but just no chill. Really? You think that that external decision is going to preserve the newness that God is trying to do in you? You don't went ahead and saw the entrepreneurship lane or the job that you should be in or the career and skill set. You have identified, oh, my gosh, I have tapped into something and I really like doing this. But you keep going back to the job that does not go ahead and align with your values. They don't see they don't value you. They don't add to you strengthening the skill set. You are exhausted when you get back home. So do you think that this newness that is occurring in you when you go back into that old environment, is it preserving the newness that you've tapped into? When you go ahead and see, yo, I want to start handling my health different. I want to start handling my finances different. Do you think that you can still go out with that group of people and still go eat and still go? I'm talking about every other day. And then we go into brunch. We go into lunch. We go into stunts. <laughs> you, you just go into everything. At what point do you start letting certain people know, hey, I'm trying to do something different with my money. I'm trying to go in a different path with my, with my you know, my eating and me taking care of myself. So I joined the gym and I'm gonna be going out with y'all less, but you know, like when y'all go other places where it doesn't require for you to spend money, like add me in. But if y'all could be my accountability partners in this, I truly have a goal and I wanna meet it at this particular time and this, that, and the third. And so if that circle group doesn't cheer you on and be like, yo, cool, (laughs) I'm going, but you know, I support what you're doing, then great. But if it's anything less than that, then they don't preserve you and you don't deserve to be in that circle group. How do you make room for yourself? By making sure that what is happening within you internally, that the external is also preserving that. I'm going to read Matthew 9, 17 from the NLT version once more again. 17. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure. Spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. You know why you ultimately sometimes have to change environments? Because the person that you are becoming is too large to stay the person in environments where you were. This said the old wines would burst from the pressure. Do you know how much pressure it takes to be the one changed person in your circle group? Do you know how much pressure it takes to be the one innovative, critical thinker at your job right now? Do you know how much pressure it takes to be the one that wants to do something different for your bloodline? And you, the generation that's just like, Ain't nobody paying attention to you. you the young <laughs> buck. Like we've been doing it this way for so long. Have a nice day. Do you know how much pressure it is to remain in old wine skin with this new wine dwelling in you? The capsule of the prior you couldn't even start to manage the vastness of the new you. Sometimes when you're reading certain stuff like this, you have to be like, yo, like the average person would just read this. That's oh, okay. wine, new skin? But sometimes you have to stop and actually pray before you even read so that it can mean to you what it's supposed to mean to you in that specified season. I really, truly feel like God is trying to do a new thing, but a new thing requires not only new thinking, new decisions that is going to preserve that new thing in you my challenge to you I need you to look at where you are and where you feel prompted from the Holy Spirit that God is trying to take you and be bold enough to challenge yourself to make room for the new you go ahead and start making external decisions that will preserve the newness that is happening within you internally. Otherwise, I hate to be that girl, but what's, that, what's the caveat to that? What's the, mm, and if I don't? Then ultimately what the Bible says is for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins the person that you're trying to maintain and sustain, you're ultimately going to waste the newness that's happening within you. Why? Because the decisions you're making is not vast enough to capitalize on that. And when there's no room for you, it just goes to waste anyway. You ever saw someone who was brilliant, creative, or really, really good in a particular area? And you looked at them and you were like, well, why didn't you ever do something with this? That is your example of someone who is talented and had new things in them, new, separate from their friends, separate from their family group, separate from E or the above, and just decided to just stay in old wine skin. So what happened to that creativity? What happened to that awesomeness? Nothing. It spilled the way. For the old wine skins would burst from pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins, spilling the newness and ruining the person you keep trying to be, spilling the newness and ruining what God was trying to do new. The only way to preserve and make room for the new you is to make sure that new wine is stored in new wine skins, so that both are preserved. Maybe what's currently happening in your life right now is not working because you're not making decisions that preserve both. Maybe, perhaps, but that's your challenge. All right, listen, Um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? uh you should uh they are life-provoking conversations conversations that not the average person's gonna have with you but who your favorite homegirl listen have you been on created to com? okay i'm gonna need you to because if i'm your favorite homegirl then that's what you should be doing right Yes, it has everything on there. I have a Patreon. I have a clothing store. We have all the things. But I need you to make sure that you are literally going on created, C-R-E-A-T-E-D, the number two, multiply.com. Very much. Or go on Patreon and you can go ahead and see the things with the and Inspire and all of that thing. But um, at this point, uh, I'm doing a new thing. You understand? God has done some new things in me. I'm making new moves. I I am practicing what I have been preaching because I am the elite grandbaby. Do you understand? All right, but listen, I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. Okay? We talk later? Yup, because you got a site to go to. Sure do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk later. All right, later.